Okay. So uh, here we are again with another episode of Recovery Friends Podcast. Uh, real quick about the podcast. Um, we are a show where people who used to have uh, drug and alcohol uh, crises, <laughs> uh, problems, uh, where drugs and alcohol were really um, causing them a lot of strife um, and somehow got sober and today are living sober lives, relatively happy lives for the most part and useful lives. Um, we are not any, we're not a 12-step program. We don't represent any 12-step programs and uh, the opinions or things said on here are solely the you know, personal experiences of the speaker. Uh, so basically we have speakers come on and they share their experience. Um, so I think that covers it, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> I always get so nervous right before doing that. It's weird. Uh, so today we have my friend uh, all the way down from Pittsburgh, uh, mm-hmm. baby Tay-Tay uh, Taylor. <laughs> um, and uh, sh- you... Live. You came to New Orleans a year ago, roughly, right? Yep. And stayed about a year. A little over a year ago, I moved down here and stayed about three months. Oh. Although it feels it, like it yeah. was longer, and everybody seems to remember that too. That's but, weird, huh? Like, oh, you lived here about a year. No, it was three months. Wow. And that, you know what's funny about that is like I think you just kind of fully just immersed yourself into everything totally. when yeah. you were here. So it just feels like you were like. And I was a also New instantly embraced. Yeah. Like, as soon as I started going to meetings, Luz would introduce me, and then I was totally embraced by yeah, that. Yeah, that's um, what's great about here. the the, the yeah. circles we frequent, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if it's like that, because, I mean, I, of course, I haven't experienced a recovery outside of New Orleans all that much. You do a lot of traveling. I know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I tend to think, like, oh, New Orleans is special, but I think probably recovery circles in general kind of that's might be the rule all over right yeah i i it's interesting because i have been able to travel and experience different um recovery in different areas um i've lived in a couple of different states and gone to meetings and they're all generally very receptive to new new people travelers mm-hmm. visitors instant they instantly want you to just feel welcome yeah it's like you have an immediate family immediate family wherever you go that's insane that's so i know that's awesome i know oh my god but then it's sad <laughs> when you have to leave like yeah, i had but to. then you have a new family waiting for you wherever you yeah. go yeah <laughs> that's cool i mean i've i've done my fair share of traveling to a degree and and i'm always i always try to make it a point to um to uh touch base and see what's going on within the recovery community uh, so that was a long uh, intro banter. I like that. <laughs> um, so why don't you? Um, I mean, where if if if, if you're uh, ready, if you want to just maybe start sharing about um, you know how it all began mm-hmm. and, how, and how you ended up where you are today. Sure. Yeah. I'm still. It feels weird. I'm still very nervous, even though I'm not talking in front of like a crowd of people, but. Um, Okay, so I grew up outside of Philadelphia in the suburbs, Um, had a tumultuous childhood through um, uh, divorced parents Mm. that kind of, um, it was, it was painful. It was um, not, 
it was not a good environment to grow up in and something that I realize looking back now, even though at the time I felt like I was so fine. That was my MO. I'm okay. I have this um, family problems, but outside of that, I was totally different person like that mask you know mm. i've always felt a little bit like too like a split personality that's a a th common theme in my mm. uh recovery is i've always felt like i have this what i show the world and what is really going on inside of me yeah um never been able to like marry the two and like be my true self so um yeah growing up in that household was very hard um my father was uh, abusive to my mother and um, my sister was not like on my side at times was a bully and I just I felt like I I bottled a lot inside I wasn't able to even tell my friends at school what mm. was going on um, older sister yeah my older oh. sister yeah. um, we were 15 months apart so like I feel like being that close in age yeah. is hard. You'd think we'd be like best friends, but there was a lot of jealousy wow. and um, being like, she didn't want me to copy her, yeah. even though that's like the best mm. form of flattery. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll probably because she was still a baby when you were born. I guess, yeah. is, I guess that's a real thing that, that you see on TV, where it's like the baby gets jealous and yeah. wants to like, like secretly murder the baby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she secretly <laughs> wanted to murder me all the time. Um, yeah, anyway, so I was a very secretive person. Um, I I wanted to be a secret agent when I was younger. I would watch all the James Bond and James Jason Bourne movies, and I was like, that's what I want in my life. Because <laughs> I just love that idea of running away, becoming a new person, wow. going somewhere where you don't know anyone. Um, that, was, that was like my um, ideal life right there. And so um, fast forward to about <laughs> high school, um, I was a really good student. I kept that appearance up. Um, I was, you know, track one. I got honors. And um, I had, for the first two years, I had this group of, like, really A-plus straight girlfriends. Um, we ran track together, and it was fun and all. And then I fell in with the wrong crowd. Mm. I met... Um, my friend introduced me to her public school friends, which oh. I went to Catholic school, and so. But I was always was under the impression that Catholic school kids were like just the worst. They in undercover. some yeah no in in some places sure yeah, yeah. Um, my school not so much I was the biggest druggie by junior year like wow. I was and it's because I you know went to hang out with public school kids but. No one was really doing what I was doing, and I I liked that. I treasured that, like, double life I had, mm. you know? I could be this one person at school um, and hang out with other people and be like, well, I don't, you know, I don't need you guys. I've got my other friends. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I fell in with the wrong crowd, and I, I was not big into drinking. Um, I started with Percocet, started with pills, um... First thing I ever did was split a Perk 30 with a friend, um, and it was the craziest, craziest feeling. Mm -hmm. I just, that feeling, and I was at a meeting last night, and I had someone say, um, in response to the moderator, like, I just love how you talked about the feelings, because that's something we can all relate to, even if we don't have the same experiences, like, the times are different, times in your life, um, the experiences are different, the feeling is the same, so that feeling of that first high you know what you yeah. chase that forever is 
just pure bliss like nothing matters the weight of the world is off your shoulders because that's what i carried around as a 16 year old the weight of the fucking world um excuse my language that's heavy no curse all you want okay. please fucking actually, rad. actually curse more <laughs> okay <It's not> a- <laughs> um yeah so that that was what it all started with and then i started um hanging out with these people I slowly like just shut myself off from those other friends I had. Like I wouldn't even talk to them anymore. I just shut down. I would um, walk through the the hallways of school just like I couldn't meet anyone's eye because I just always felt like I was, you know, something wrong with me. Like I they mm. they don't understand me. They don't understand my life because I have this pain and now I know how to get rid of it. But it's wrong. But I'm still gonna uh-huh. do it anyway. And um, yeah, it was hard. Like high school was so rough. All those feelings of like just utter loneliness and um i kept like a a circle of friends and it got bigger but they were all like 15 minute friends you know there were people i could buy drugs from and hang out with and be like oh this is so cool like you're my friend but then i would like you know go find a new drug dealer go hang out with their friends i made other people's friends my friends in quotation marks (laughs) um but i never really had good friendships with people i mean i had like a couple best friends but we were just using buddies and um yeah so that i just really didn't know how to make friends at that point and um i so junior year of high school was when i really started do, using a lot of pills and smoking weed and i was the dd for most of my friends because i didn't drink I had yeah. my I had my other bag and I was like fine with yeah. driving high on Oxycontin and all that. I was like I'm fine cuz you know, you feel like the you can feel like you can do anything on yeah. those drugs. So Definitely. of course I'm like yeah, I can drive a car. Yeah, I was employee of the month whenever I was on any any kind of opiate. Right. Like the best. I was doing it. I was going the extra mile for everything, you know, I was like could operate heavy machinery. Yeah. And, and the truth is it's probably I was not as good as i thought i was (laughs) that's true yeah and it's so um so delusional like you really do feel like your best self when you're on this drug Mm. um never mind the fact that it doesn't last that long and you're the the (laughs) withdrawal is yeah most of my using days i feel like if i had to break it down like it was maybe 20 percent being high and then 80 percent going through withdrawal yeah and that's what and and looking know, for it and, and trying to or get back. searching for it yeah so you know that was a, it was a miserable existence because i was withdrawing for most of it trying to get that two-hour window of your ideal self yeah and then it's so crazy <laughs> it is so it was crazy crazy yeah. high school experience i graduated high school um and that summer i graduated to using intravenous drugs mm. um and that was a very quick quick downfall so in the beginning of the summer um you know everyone was applying to colleges and i i don't remember applying to colleges that was my experience um (laughs) i just actually recently found out my dad found an acceptance letter from westchester university which is right or near where i grew up and i was like i don't even remember applying there i knew i wanted to go far away i knew i wanted to get out of like wherever it was. I was like, that's going to solve it. I'm going to go somewhere far away for college. Um, so I applied, I got into Ohio state, got into university of Pittsburgh. Um, but Ohio or university of Pittsburgh had me on a wait list. So I couldn't start that first semester. So, um, 
yes but that wasn't i got in but i didn't even think about i didn't make any plans for going to college i didn't like set anything up mm. um and my family did not pressure me at all like i was never home i was out doing drugs and running around um and so at the end of the summer and i kind of feel like they knew i wasn't going to go to college but yeah. they didn't know what was going to happen they didn't want to have that conversation with me but it was all solved with me going to rehab instead anyway so at the end of the summer my best friend um kind of went behind my back and told my mom what i was doing and it's really interesting though because i hit she was my best friend like we spent all all the time together she was like my only friend but we we used a lot of xanax and um, other things together but i started when i started doing heroin i didn't tell her yeah. because she had a boyfriend who was really bad into it and she just she drew a line she was like that she broke up with him even though she was in love with him because she would not be with him while he was using heroin so i was like i can't tell her mm. that i'm doing it she sounds really healthy <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be able to set that boundary like i would be I like know. okay you can use heroin <laughs> yeah no she so, i yeah. i learned a lot from her her she was a strong-willed person and she also had her own demons you know she had a, a xanax problem but she knew where to draw the, draw the line um and she knew to say to someone she loved i can't be with you because of this you need to get yourself in in line um so i hid that from her for the whole summer and um uh, finally, I guess it like came out like she saw me, she found me like um, in the bathroom and it came out it came to light yeah. and I was like, oh no, this is the end. And so she went behind my back. She told my mom uh, their my her mom and my mom got together and like sent me to rehab. Yeah. So everyone I was about yep. to turn 18. Everyone was going to college and I went to rehab. Um, but it was rehab was like the best for me. It was like fucking summer camp. Yeah. I went there. <laughs> I knew like five people there. I was like, oh, hey, what's up, Chris? Oh, hey, how are you, Dan? Um, and I had no worries. It was like carefree, you know? I didn't have to worry about um, anything like college or friends. Like I could just be in this bubble and like be taken care of for like 37 days. It like, really is a chill experience. <laughs> people, well, people, people have no clue how nice dream rehab is. It was like a dream to me. I feel yeah. like I floated through all of rehab. And um, then when I was about to be like, I don't know, released. I don't know, what, I don't know the term for it. When I was done with my stint there, they gave me an option of going back home or going to a recovery house. And one of the girls that I had um, befriended there was going to a recovery house. So I was like, I want to go there. I don't want to go back home mm -hmm. because home was the problem, right? My parents were the problem. I couldn't be around them. Um, and all the, like the whole general area of Philadelphia was the problem. Um, I used a lot in North Philly and I was like, it's, I can't, can't be around that. It's just like too tempting. I can't go back there. Mm -hmm. So um, I went to a recovery house mostly just to run away from my problems and they wanted me to go to outpatient and I uh, didn't want to do that. It was just like too far and I, it was just too much. And so I just went to meetings with, lived in a house with nine women, went to a women and went to a bunch of meetings and didn't really do much else than that. Just kind of went through the motions and I think like being so young, I wasn't really sure what all this meant. 
um i just kind of thought this was like a pit stop uh, but i was i had my own plan like mm. i so this is a pit stop this is just for now i'm gonna do this for amount of time and then i'll be good like then i gotta get on with my life that's yeah. how i thought of like all of the uh 12 step stuff at that time like okay well i'll do it for now but then i'll be done with it and so i ended up relapsing in that recovery house because i um you know just i wasn't doing anything for myself except just kind of exist and i went through a lot of post-acute withdrawal it was you know i thought that i had been sober for so long i got i think i got almost like three months at that time and i thought i would be fine and then all the feelings came back and i didn't even looking back on it now i understand what was going on but at the time i just didn't know it was just like a darkness mm. that just consumed me and i didn't know how to get out of it and everything sucked um and i thought the only way to escape that was just to keep moving on like i was like okay well then i just gotta go to college because that's what the next move is right mm. So, um, I ended up going to Ohio state and I wanted to, wanted to go, even though my parents didn't want me to, they wanted me to move home, obviously. Um, and I didn't want that. I needed to get away from them. And I went to Ohio state. It was terrible. Um, I went there for like three months and then I moved back home and my dad and I do not have the best relationship, but we, he's always like tried to, um, have a relationship through money. Like if he buys me stuff, then I'll like be his perfect daughter or like, um, I won't hate him so much. And I really did hate him. I've got a lot of stuff with him that uh, I'm work. I'm still working through, but mm -hmm. we have not ever had a good relationship just because I've seen the way he treats my mother and, you know, even the way he treats me and my sister is just like not okay. So it was, it's been hard, um, with that, but I ended up moving back in with him and cause he thought he would like watch over me and make sure I'm okay. And if I, if, he, if I lived with him, he would send me to my next destination, which is the university of Pittsburgh. Cause that was going to save me. Mm. Um, so I ended up moving in with him for a summer and I was right back where I was before, like it was actually even worse, um, doing more, more drugs, having people come to my house to drop them off because I couldn't leave the house sometimes, um, under his watchful eye <laughs> and he never knew he never figured it out. And that's wow. the thing. Like I got away with so much because in high school I had this reputation of being, you know, I kept my grades up and I was like this good student. So teachers didn't care when I cut class. Like I never got in trouble for this stuff. Yeah. And it kind of drove me insane. Cause yeah. you know, a lot of my using <laughs> is like attention seeking. Yeah. Right. And I wasn't getting the attention I wanted. I was wow. like, I'm, I'm like in trouble here. Somebody help me. And, um, but then it was like, I'm battling also this like secretive side of me. Cause I'm like, I'm trying to keep everything under wraps. Like yeah. it was, you know, I had a, I had a lot of balls in the air. I was juggling around and, um, so it, it, it was, um, where was I? Uh, you were living with your dad <laughs> and you were flying under the radar, but made me think like, that's kind of my experience too. It's, it's like that having that, can you have that personality where nobody wants to call you out because you're so sweet and you're so nice and like, but Thanks. see, and, but like, and I think that I kind of carried that with me too. Cause like, I'm kind of like, like really 
agreeable mm-hmm. and I'm easily liked. So I've always used that to my advantage, yeah. always manipulated with that. And it's like, and, and, and I never realized I did that until I get, got sober. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I definitely pulled one over my dad that <laughs> summer when he thought he was going to, you know, keep me under wraps and not let me do anything bad. And that was a terrible summer. So I, made this promise to myself. I was like, I'm going to move to Pittsburgh and it's going to be good. I'm not going to bring any drugs with me. Like I did at Ohio state. I brought a bunch of drugs up and ran out of them in like four days. (laughs) And so I was like, I'll do it different this time. I'm going to stop doing heroin and I'll withdraw before the move. I had it planned out and there was really no, I don't, I really believed I could do that. I really thought like, yeah, I'll just stop three days before and like I had it planned out, but there's never, it was just, it's so insidious. Like (laughs) it really, like I, I kept using up until the day we moved. I drove out, moved in with my dad and my, uh, his girlfriend and I was withdrawing and I was miserable and I was like, I can't believe I did this. Like, you know, what am I going to do? And I was like, well, now I just got to be sober. Like I just got to do it. Like, I'm out here across the state. I don't know where to get it. And, um, but that was my plan. I was like, okay, well, this will be good for me. This will, you know, this is what I wanted. Right. And it's not really what I wanted. My addict brain was screaming, like, why the fuck did you do this? Like, Mm -hmm. you knew, why would you, you know, I'm always running away, but I was also scared of running away because I knew like where the drugs were in Philly. And and part of me is like, well, I need, like, I knew I needed to be sober. I knew I couldn't be doing this, but the side of me that always won out was the one that wanted to use the one that wanted the drugs. And, um, so me getting sober in the, in the beginning, uh, when I finally get into a program is always this fight between these two sides of like, yes, I want this. I want to be sober and have a good life. Um, and the addict brain that is, you know, no, fuck that. You can do whatever you want. You can, you can live a good life with drugs, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and that constant, like up and down, it was like a seesaw, you know, each day was different, like which side was going to win out. Mm. Um, but I didn't really get sober right away when I moved to Pittsburgh. It was a couple years after that, but I, um, did go to a meeting, a young people's meeting my first semester in college, like trying to see what was out there. I never went back. I fell in with a crowd of drinkers and I didn't have my drugs. I had, um, college students that partied and I was like well I'm gonna be a normal college student so I'm gonna party like them Mm -hmm. I partied way harder (laughs) um I would hang out with like a new group of friends and they'd be washing me naked in the shower at the end of the day because I threw up all over their stuff like and that was how I formed these friendships Uh you know we would just get drunk they would have to take care of me and then they would stop talking to me for a little while and (laughs) I would move on I would find another group um And I ended up, I relapsed over Christmas break. I went back home and I started using heroin again. I got a boyfriend who's a drug dealer. And that started a year long or year and a half long of just going back and forth from Philly. Now I had an excuse to go to Philly. I could get drugs. He could come out and bring me drugs. And we were so codependent and we fueled each other's misery of like, um, no boundary setting in that relationship. No. <laughs> Who talks about boundaries when you're like 19 and <laughs> in love and on drugs? Um, we, yeah, we didn't, that was a, that was a really scary time of my life too. I feel like I really lost myself, but at the same time I thought, 
that I had everything I needed because I had this boyfriend and I was in school and I was doing pretty well or kind of. Um, but I was really, really sad. Um, really, it was really lonely because he was, it was a long distance relationship and, um, it all, it all fell apart. Um, when my dad found out that I had been going back and forth to Philly and this whole time I'm in school, my dad's paying for everything. He, you know, sets me up with an apartment. Um, he pays for my school and I would call home maybe every two months to be like, Hey, I'm alive. I need more money, <laughs> whatever. Like it was very, like I was just using the shit out of him. Yeah. Um, and he knew that. And he, that's why he would be, he was so mean to me. And I'm like, well, you're just a terrible person. But, um, I was asking all of these things from him and never giving him anything. Um, and he also set the stipulation that if you ever found out I was in Philly again, cause he knew I used there. If you ever found out I was there again and hanging out with these people, he would cut me off. Um, and that's what happened. He found out and, um, he said, no more school and you have to go to, to rehab and don't come home for Christmas. And so I wasn't able to get into rehab because I lied and told them that I hadn't been using in like two weeks. And they were like, well, we can't accept this person who hasn't actually used in two weeks. So they mm. sent me to an intensive outpatient which actually it was worse. Like I would have rather gone to inpatient and like lived, you know, in that bubble again. <laughs> but instead I had to go from like nine to five, five days a week oh, through Christmas. This was like the entire month of December when, you know, no, all the college kids are home for school. I was by myself in this city that I had like kind of made myself an island within. Like I hadn't made any good friends. Um, and I was going to this outpatient and I really thought I had it like that I actually I actually tried to um, talk about things and I really I, I got it was like you know whittling away a little bit of the shell that I had on um, and we did like cognitive cognitive behavioral therapy and um, but the whole time I, I had just broken up with my boyfriend because I was like listen my dad you know is cutting me off and I need to stop doing drugs and like, we are not good together. And that's how I broke up with him. I was like, okay, I may never see you again because you need to get your shit together. I'm going to get my shit together. And that was how we broke up. And then I started going to outpatient and I never told them, like, I would not talk about that. Like I would, and that's something that was like tearing me apart. Like I had just gone through this like really emotional breakup, but I didn't not, I didn't deal with it at all yeah. and tell anyone about it. I sat in these like group therapies and would talk about everything else wow. except that. And I just like, I couldn't bring myself to talk about it. And it's just like how I was, you know, all through my using things. I just would not, I would just bottle it up, wow. bottle it up. No, I don't want to bring this out. No, it'll go away. Um, so I did outpatient for like three months. They eventually dropped me down part time. And um, then they were like, you're good. Like you, you're done. You're done. You, I graduated. A plus. Right. And then I was like, okay, I'll go back to school. And I went back part time because um, I couldn't handle a full load of school. Um, and I started hanging out with college kids again. And they were drinking and... I don't even, it was just it's all hazy. My memory is not that great of this time, but I just eventually started drinking and just like went to a bunch of festivals and it was just like all downhill from there. It was just like right back at it. But I was like, well, I'm not doing heroin. I'm not doing pills anymore. 
you know, it's like psychedelics, it's other stuff, like it's okay. Um, but my drinking was where like I needed, you know, anytime I did another drug, I needed drinking to come off of it. And then I needed drinking in between, you know, I was not able to handle reality Mm. in, in the in between. Um, so that's what, that's what alcohol did for me. Alcohol kept me like with my head above water when, like when I couldn't deal with reality. Full flight from reality. It's yeah. my favorite saying because mm-hmm. that is me to a T. Um, and so um, once again, things fall apart. My dad cuts me off. So I decide I'm going to just do full time waitressing and I'm going to do AA. And I had made some connections uh, through outpatient outpatient made me go to meetings and that was actually Mm. great because I met a lot of people and I met these women and, um, I got their numbers. We hunt, we got coffee a bunch and they were really nice. I liked them. They were great. Like I was really surprised that they wanted to hang out with me. They wanted to like, they welcomed me in a little bit and then I went and then I relapsed and I went back out. But then when I needed, I, I just started going to meetings again and these women were still there. They were the same women. They're still that they remembered me and they were like, wow, you're back. Okay. And they didn't ask me what happened and asked me where I was. Um, I had a temporary sponsor for like that time during outpatient. And, you know, I came back and I was like, man, I'm not doing bad and I'm not doing good. I'm doing really bad. And she was like, yeah, I know. I follow you on Facebook. So (laughs) I saw all those pictures of me like (laughs) rolling around in mud and stuff like Um, so she was, that's all she, she didn't ask anything else about that, but, um, just the fact that I knew where to go and these women were still there and welcomed me back in and didn't really care where I came from. Didn't really care what I had done. Um, cause I felt like such a terrible person. I was like, well, oh. you know, first of all, I had this, like, you know, alcohol was one thing, but I was like, I'm, I'm a drug addict first and foremost. And are they going to be okay with that? no one gives a shit. They we're all addicts Mm -hmm. and we all have like this same disease and it doesn't, no matter what substance it is. Um, and, but that was also something that I really struggled with. Like, yeah, I wanted to do this program and I did NA when I lived in the recovery. Am I allowed to say that? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I focused more on my problem with drugs before, but this time, you know, I, I was struggling with the alcohol thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was okay with calling myself a drug addict that I had a problem with, but alcohol, I did not think I had a problem with. And so I was waitressing and my boss would ask me to take sips of beer just to try it. So I could tell my tables and I didn't, <sighs> I told them, I was like, no, I'm, I'm done drinking. And, but the sips were okay. Cause I didn't want to open up that conversation. I was like, well, I don't drink, but he was like, you should try sips. I was like, okay. So I took sips of beer for like a month or so. And I didn't tell my sponsor or anything. I was like, I you know, yeah, everything's great. And then I had the secret I was carrying uh-huh. around and it ate at me. And I finally had to come clean about it. And I've just always struggled with like the whole alcohol thing because other yeah. people can use it so easily and I see that and why can't I be normal like especially being that young it really was hard for me to be different than my peers Um, but the more I stayed around in a program the more I was 
I felt more like that was my tribe and I found my people and maybe it's okay to be different. Um, maybe I don't want to be like a normal person because mm -hmm. what's so fantastic about that. Um, and there's also, well, yeah. Okay. Well, I, well, I'll tell you what, that sounds like a really good, uh, stopping point to take a quick break. Uh, we'll, uh, stretch, have refreshments and we'll be right back. Okay. We're back from the break. It was a long break. It was a great break. Yes. We but, was laughing. Uh, no, all that could have been caught on, uh, on the recording. It would have been nicely to listen to actually like the candid stuff next time. Yeah. I'm just going to record the whole thing from here on out. Okay. So, uh, let's, uh, I guess just pick back just up pick where you up. were. I don't, know, I don't remember where you were. Well, I'm just going to rewind a little bit. Okay. Just to like try and make it um, just marry the two Got segments. Because um, I believe I was out where I was uh, just starting to do a program. Uh, waitressing had stopped school because my dad cut me off. Um, but a lot of um, what I remember from my using years was um just a feeling of not being able to connect with anyone um and being introduced to these women who like took me in under their wing almost and um wanted to get to know me and not even caring where I came from um finding that like human connection was so new to me and it was so beautiful and it definitely wasn't enough to save me at the time, but it definitely, like, piqued my interest. And, like, there is, like, almost gave me hope. You know, I saw these women doing so many um, great things, and, you know, they were just like me. They were addicts also. Um, they uh, shared similar pain as me, and I could see that they were doing these things that I wanted to do, like living happy, fruitful lives, um, they were just amazing people. Um, and that's why I love Pittsburgh so much because I have this community there mm. and they are very so dear to me. I look up to them. I've looked up to them since day one and a lot of them are still there. I still go in the same meetings and a lot of them I've now made like my core group of women. And so they helped me out so much. Um, even though I didn't really stick around, I didn't fully get like wanting to be sober quite yet. Um, I, did um have a couple of months of sobriety and then i moved away i did the whole geographical change uh thinking that that would help and it's running away hmm. again from myself when things i just think that i get um like this idea that i can start over but the whole you know when you go someplace new you take yourself with you is very true i was changing my location but i wasn't changing anything about myself so i moved out to up to maine to work on a farm with a woman in who was also in recovery so i thought i would be safe i was going to be with this person and um i went to maybe one meeting a week and the rest of the time i was farming like 65 hours a week mm. and I, it was so spiritual to me. I was like, this is great. And I was in rural, rural Maine. There was, you know, there was drinking around me, but 
um, I was like doing this thing and I was just working really hard and I thought I was fine and I wasn't really doing anything actually spiritual. Mm. I wasn't really working on myself. Again, I was just kind of existing and floating through um, because in my mind, like I just wanted this al alcohol addiction thing to just like kind of go away. Like if I, it was kind of the same belief that I had when I was younger. Like if I just like keep moving with my life and keep doing things, maybe this will just go away. Mm. Um, I didn't really want to fully concentrate on this problem that I had. And um, so I ended up drinking again and it was so unexpected. I didn't see it coming at all. Um, and it was at a catering gig. I guess I'll share about it. It's coming, it's coming back to me right now. I guess I'll mm -hmm. share about it, but I was at a catering gig and after it was a wedding and afterwards we were wrapping up and my, uh, the woman who owned the business was giving out shots of, um, not shots, like whole glasses of Prosecco. And I was like, she, I can just picture her. She was coming at me like with her arm up, raised up with this glass and was like, here, do you want one? And I just see my hand reach out and grab it and just like chugged it. Wow. No thought process. But like I had been waiting for that moment that whole summer, I feel like. Like I had been sober and just very dry, like just kind of white knuckling it. And then when that was presented to me, it was just like, oh, such a relief because I had been waiting for yeah. some kind of instance to, you know, the right instance to do it. And I did it. And, you know, then I was at the, after that, I took that glass of Prosecco and then I went to the bar where the guests were getting drinks and I like got myself a bunch <laughs> of drinks like as and they were like cool with it because they were like, oh, she's done working or whatever. But no one else was doing that. Yeah. I just like could not just have one. I was like, why the hell would I have one? I'm going to have so I'm just going to try and make the most of this. So, um, yeah, I just I got wasted that night and. Um, I just felt terrible about it. And of course I was up there with my friend and I had to t tell her about it too. And she, she just like, she kind of like playfully punched me like kind of hard, but like, mm -hmm. Oh, like she really wanted me to get this. Yeah. And I had just, you know, mm -hmm. thrown it all away. Um, and I, I feel like I let her down and <laughs> this is a very good friend of mine and she plays a part later in my recovery as well. So, um, I moved back to Pittsburgh and I, you know, started, I went to meetings and whatever, but also I was just kind of itchy and antsy and I just wanted to like do more with my life. And I felt like, yeah, I had moved away before I wanted to travel more. So I said, I'm just going to go work on some farms across the country and, um, yeah, sure. I'll stay sober. And all my friends in the program kind of nodded their heads and smiled and was like, okay, sure you do that. And they, you know, I almost feel like if I had been in their position, I would have been like, don't do this. Like, this is dumb. Like you, you do not even have, you have barely any time under your belt. Like you think you're going to stay sober traveling. Yeah. Um, but and nobody even like suggested that they kind of the way they, no, they didn't suggest that. They kind of just were like, do you think you're going to stay sober? Like they kind of like poised that question at me. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, sure, of course. You know, I'll find meetings out there. Um, a good friend of mine hooked me up with someone she knew in Tucson. And um, like, here is a connect. Like, you can, uh, you know, meet up with this person. And that was cool. Like, I found someone in Arizona that went to a meeting. And I did kind of try to do it. And then I was just um, back where I 
I just, you know, fell off. Like I didn't have anyone to hold me accountable and I kind of let my addict brain get the best of me. Um, it was, you know, it was like, why, why not? Um, and so I started drinking again and it was really awkward because I had, um, applied to this farm in Oregon and I had told them in my application that I don't drink and they were fine with that. But then I showed up couple months later and I was drinking and I felt so awkward because I had already stated that I don't and then they went out to, they would go out to bars for like trivia night and stuff and I, w I went out and like I couldn't not drink mm -hmm. like even though I didn't want to I was kind of ashamed I was embarrassed because I was like I've already told them I don't drink but and they now drank. I'm drinking but they all yeah they all drank yeah um but it was it was weird because they were like well she said she didn't yeah. drink yeah and now she's drinking there must be something wrong. Right. And yeah. I, and it just was, it felt like so wrong and I felt like so like icky about it. Um, and I couldn't really fully explain to them why, you know, I didn't want to be like, Oh, well, why well, I was in recovery and now I'm not yeah. like, I didn't even get into that. It was kind of just like, I just let it be with like, you know, they saw <laughs> I'm just drinking now, no whatever. Uh, so that was weird. And, um, I ended up leaving that farm and going to another farm and um, I stayed there for like nine months and it was a very drinking heavy environment. Like my boss would give out beers after a long day of work and all the interns and the workers would, you know, just talk about drinking beer all day, like under the hot sun. You're like, oh, I can't wait to crack a beer after the day is over. And um, it was good for a while and then it wasn't. Um, and I've had a lot of bottoms, but this bottom that I had was so, like, more emotional and um, more introspective. Like, before, I, you know, my dad would, like, cut me off or, like, I lost, like, going to school and, like, tangible things. But this was, like, just lost all self-respect. I started, you know, doing things that I did not like I was not myself I was not who I wanted to be at all um I was in a terrible relationship and I was um kind of just like a mess mm. and just a mess and like my roommates you know they didn't know me who I was before like they knew me as this person and it is not who I wanted them to see mm -hmm. I was like ashamed of myself yeah um and I just uh kind of just fell in this like self self-loathing um and i just wanted to be a better person and i couldn't because yeah. i just kept drinking and doing stupid stuff and making a mess of myself and it's, it's funny it's like almost like you couldn't you can no longer hide that double life it's like mm. the you know like these people just saw that side that you wanted to hide so bad yeah <laughs> that's true um and it was it was miserable um so I, the season ended there and I ended up moving back because, um, I didn't have anywhere else to go. And also another thing that really hurt about that is that summer, um, because I had this relationship with one of the managers, I felt like I had, and it, I had made, I couldn't go back. Like I would have loved to work another season with mm -hmm. the same farm, but I had completely burned all these bridges. And that's another thing that I really hated myself for because I was like, you know, mm -hmm. 
that like man i i just really wish i hadn't start hadn't been drinking like at that farm i could have been like a much better worker i could have like made some really good ties and maybe had found like a really great spot to thrive in but i drinking really held me back hmm. and i was um really upset about that so i moved back and i had to like weigh my options and also this friend who i had been farming with the year before she had completely cut me off while I was in Colorado and drinking. Um, and she, I called her to tell her like, listen, I'm like drinking again. I don't know if I'm an alcoholic. I'm trying this out. Like I need to do more research. And she was like, I know you're an alcoholic and I can't be your friend mm. if you don't see this. Cause she knew. Yeah. And we had had these really like in depth, like we had this connection of like being alcoholics and we had talked in depth about it. And here I was just like, refuting all of that yeah and she just could not sit but another another friend of mine that had really strong boundaries kind of yeah. like my friend in high school who was able to just be like no like she did that she set this boundary like i can't watch you do this to yourself because you're basically killing yourself mm -hmm. um and that that hurt and um i carried that with me when i came back to pittsburgh i was kind of determined to you know start over you know i was like okay i'm done with I'm done researching. I'm done being this shitty person. Um, it's time to it's time to get back to to doing work on myself, which is what I feel like I had been running away from. Um, I kept thinking like, oh, if I'll go to, go to this place and do this thing, like that'll help me. But none of that was actually serving what I really needed was the emotional and the spiritual growth. Yeah. So until I moved back to Pittsburgh and really was like. I'm going to do this. Oh, but then <laughs> then New Orleans comes into play because I was back in Pittsburgh for a little, a little while. But um, a good friend of mine was down here who had, I'd known from um, the program was down here to start her life in New Orleans. And I just wanted to visit her because it had been a while. And I came down here and I was like, well, maybe I'll stay like a month and I'll, I'll do like the program here and I'll see what happens. I ended up staying for three months. And while I was here, I got an awesome sponsor. And since I had such a short amount of time, I was like, you know, I've done the steps before. I've like tried to, you know, do the work. I've never been in really a good headspace about it. I've never really completely wanted to be honest with it. So I, at this time, I was like, I'm going to do this and we're going to do them in three months. And we're just going to, I want, I want as much as I can out of, you talking mm -hmm. to my sponsor because she was um she was a badass she was 16 years sober or something had gotten sober really young um and just for like really knew her shit like we would sit down and read the book and she really would like break it down for me and ask these hard questions and elicit honest answers from me mm -hmm. that i didn't like i was just ready to like give everything at that point i was like I don't know. It was kind of a culmination of seeing all these women in my life who were sober and doing these things and wanting to be like them and kind of just breaking down that resistance in me that was like, well, I can do it my way because my way hadn't worked and these women did it this way. So let me try it. Hmm. Um, so that was super, that was so powerful. I came down here and in those three months, like I left New Orleans with this sense of I have this experience and I have this message and I have all this knowledge. Like I just want to, um, I want to give that back. 
I had gained so much. And another thing that the sponsor had really instilled in me is this sense of like, you are bettering yourself to serve others. Mm -hmm. Like this is not a selfish program in that sense. Like, yes, you are like getting yourself sober and working on yourself, but a big part of it is trying to help others as well. So I was real excited. I mm. like had read the big book. I had done my steps and I was ready to go like save all the alcoholics. <laughs> <laughs> so I moved back to Pittsburgh and um, I just like jumped right back into it. I back in my home group and um, I was really nervous about finding a sponsor as good as the one that I had because she was so badass and like had all this great wisdom. And she was also really into the traditions. And so when I told her my fears about finding a new sponsor, she said, well, why don't you just listen to someone, um, go to a bunch of women's meetings and listen to someone who says something that you relate to or something that you want. And like my first week back in Pittsburgh, I was in a women's meeting and this woman shared about their traditions. And I think it's really cool when people talk about their traditions um, <laughs> because they really know their shit then. Yeah, like, cause like, they're, oh, they're going above and beyond. That's a scholar. Yes. Right <laughs> yeah. And that's what I want. You know, I want to know this. I want to know everything there is about it. So yeah. I made her my sponsor and it turns out that she's an amazing woman as well. It's, it's um, a perfect um, relationship that we have where like, I feel like I can tell her anything. Um, and she has this, uh, wisdom that like helps she's got the life experience about things that if I share something that I'm struggling with she can be like oh well here's something that I also went to went through that is similar to that yeah. this is how I handled it and just kind of give me this like baseline of where to go with like my decision making because um, I don't know how to live life I'm learning how to live life and that's what the steps have really helped me is like a, it's a guideline for living my life it's not like telling me how not to drink it's telling me how to live mm. not drinking um and so she's also really good at relationships helping me through maybe not just relationships but maybe she's she just knows the what what she always says is that we have a disease of relationships like that's how she puts it because for a while um, in my using, I didn't know how to have, have, have relationships. I didn't know how to have connections with people. Like mm. that was part of my, it's part of our disease is we, um, we run away from the thing we need the most, which is connection with other human beings. Um, so I think I've been sober almost two years now. My, uh, date is January 7th. And in this past year, this I don't know, whatever many months it is. Um, I've really been focusing on getting back relationships that I have run away from because mm. my, and my nuclear family is the ones that have been affected the most by my drinking and using and running away. Um, so I've really been focusing on getting that back. And for the longest time, I really thought that everything was going to be fine, but um, it's hard work and I don't really, I, there's no guideline for it too. That's the other thing. There's no handbook on how to do this and it's kind of like you figure it out as you go and there's no wrong way to do it, but especially, um, working on making amends to my family, 
I just didn't know. I got really tripped up on like the right one was at the right time. Mm. Like, should I, should I do, should I start talking to my dad now? Like, do I forgive him yet? And my sponsor was able to really slow me down because I had, sure, I had done my steps the first time in New Orleans in three months. And then I came back to Pittsburgh and I was like, all right, well, let's do them again. Let's just like do it, do it all. And she was like, no, let's slow down. Like, you can take your time. You have all the time in the world. Like, well, there's no reason to rush through this. So when it came to making amends, I just felt like I needed to do them all right then and there. Mm. And she slowed me down and talked me through it more as like, what do you even feel like you still hold against these people? And like really got me looking at my resentments in a deeper way. Um, and also my part in it too, because I was ready to like start this relationship with my dad again. Um, because I was like, yeah, like I, I forgive him, but I hadn't really looked at also what I had done to him. Cause that's actually where I needed to come from. Like, Oh, yeah. you know what? I actually was a terrible daughter. Um, I hurt you as well. And there was n not going to be any healing until I had realized that yeah. part of it. Um, and so we have, um, we have a little bit better of a relationship now and I'm still, I've just started to be able to talk to my family about recovery for, since I have been so in and out, you know, in college and, um, the subsequent years just been in and out of recovery. I would never tell my parents where I was at with recovery. It was either like, um, yeah, I'm going to meetings or I just didn't talk about it. But now I'm like, yes, I'm doing these things. And I tell them more. I'm letting them into my life more where yeah. I've really shut them off because I wasn't ever really doing well. I didn't have anything to really share with them because it wasn't nothing good. Um, so that's something that is really positive to be able to let them in in this way, because I want them to know like what I'm doing. I want them to know at this point what is happening in my life because yeah. things are, um, things are, I feel like I'm changing and I want them to be a part of it. Whereas in the years past, I, I never wanted them to be a part of my life. I actually never thought I was going to speak to my dad again. Wow. I didn't even want him in my life and to have like a complete 180 where it's like, yeah, he's not that bad. And I also wasn't that great, you know, like I wasn't perfect. Um, and so that's, yeah, that's like about midway through the steps. I guess I'll keep talking about the steps, um, because they, that's where all the change came from. If I had just sat in meetings for all these months and not done anything, I probably would have gone back out. Um, my sponsor, uh, took me at a good pace through the steps, um, and, she also is very much a proponent of sponsoring women giving back. And um, I just think that, like, it's been, it feels like, I don't know. It feels like I've been in the program for so long, but this is the actual, like, this is my self-actualization period of, yeah. like, realizing that this is who I want to be. Um, that I can actually help others um, and that I want to be a part of this um, this life. I want to be, I'm excited about life. Like that is, 
that's new to me also. Uh I never was really, you know, I running away from reality, not wanting to be um, a member of society. I had kind of like just succumbed to that idea of like, yeah, I can just, you know, bum around for the rest of my life. But now I'm like, no, I want to do something. Um, I want to be something. Yeah. I think you're really at a, at a really exciting phase of recovery like mm-hmm. two years oh my god it's like i remember like <laughs> in two years like it was, uh, it was everything was so magical to me at that time you know and, and looking back and, and and when i'd hear people tell me that i'd be like i don't feel like it's magical mm-hmm. i don't feel like it's like that but like looking back i go wow like find like discovering um that life can be hopeful you know that you, that you could want to live that you don't have to escape all the time mm-hmm. um was i mean it really was a mind-blowing time mind-blowing experience uh and i think that i mean you're definitely de- definitely talking to you right now i see something different than when you were here last time mm-hmm. a little bit you know um i don't know I don't know if you think you're, you're maybe at a, at a stopping point or do you, do you think you got some more? Um, I don't know. I could, I could, you could go on. on. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> hey, look, there's, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, limiting your time. You could go for another, but what time do you have to leave? We got time. Okay. I have a few more things I think uh, well, I could bring say. It. Cause I, even though it's a magical time right now, it's still really fucking hard. It's it's magical and it's still painful though, right? It's like it's it's a little bit of both. Well, <laughs> it's painful because I do. I would have thought it like the obsession is relieved, mm-hmm. which I don't think about drinking all the time. Um, but there are still moments when like shit comes up, and I just you know. Like, I just want to tap out. Like, I just want to, like, there's no break. That's what gets Mm. me, too. There's no break from recovery. Like, this is, like, a constant maintenance of my spiritual condition. Mm. Because if I slack off for one day, even, like, I I could be right back on square one. Um, And that's why I go to so many meetings. And that's why I talk with so many people who are in recovery. Because... I need to keep that at the forefront in my mind because so long, I mean, especially I think it's crazy because my reaction to um, being in a program when I was younger and in rehab was like, why would I sit around and talk about this with people? Like, that's not the way to deal with this. You just like move on. You just like, Mm. you know, just keep going and now it's like no we need to sit down and we actually need to like confront this and talk about it um and that's how you work through it and and that's how you have the magical experiences but it's painful yeah i mean (laughs) it's magical and painful yeah um and that's part of the beauty of it because i'm okay with having feelings now i was not okay with feeling anything for a long time and having feelings is the most human experience and in some ways, I didn't even really want to be alive before I was numbing myself out. And now, like, I'm okay with being sad one day. Mm. It's okay to have that. And sometimes I don't even know where it comes from. I, I had, like, a couple of days. I remember talking to my sponsor, like, man, I'm just I'm just sad today. And I didn't know why. 
And she's like, that's okay, because you didn't feel for so many years. Mm -hmm. Like, this is, this, you have to go through all of that. Um, and things with my dad, you know, I, when I talk to him, I feel like I'm 16 again sometimes. Like, those feelings mm -hmm. towards him. Like, I'm still working through all this buried emotions. Yeah. Digging through it. And I have a place to go with all these emotions. I can go to a meeting and probably... You know, I brought up a, I brought up what I was going through and I had five other women tell me that they've gone through like very similar things and this is how they dealt with it and it's going to be okay. Like I need to hear that over and over again. I need to know that other people have gone through the same thing and there is so many, so much support that man i could cry about that right now well go ahead cry ah it's just it's so <laughs> god it's so great i mean and i'm 26 and i am so lucky to be getting this right now i don't you know how yeah, yeah there's people who just have gone their whole lives without realizing that there is this solution there is this you don't have to you don't have to live like that no more yeah. <laughs> or just like even like the realizations that you get from working this in general mm -hmm. as a human being, not even as like, yeah, definitely as an alcoholic and we're, we're, and we get to like stop drinking and live fruitful lives. But there's a lot of people who don't even get the opportunity to look at their lives differently because, you know, alcohol and drugs kind of forced me in that direction. Yeah. You know, like that's so like I, I, I'm, you know, I got sober 29 for me I wasted my 20s but mm -hmm. still relatively young and I get to live life like yeah you know it's all uphill from here <laughs> but uh, that also brings to mind another thing I've been thinking about um how there are so many people that don't actually make it into these rooms mm. that they're I didn't realize how many people struggle with this like if you think about like the numbers and then you think about how many people you'll see actually doing a program is like very a small percentage of us actually yeah. get this opportunity. And, you know, I'm so lucky. This has been a part of my life since I was 18 and in rehab. Like that's when like this all started with me and it followed me. You know, I wasn't ever able to escape this. Like I was pretty much destined to get this at some point i just like took my time getting around to it but i'm so glad i didn't die on that way yeah like and there are so many opportunities to have but there is something out there that wanted me to live for some reason there's there's some higher power that has some road for me and as long as i'm doing the program and doing these things i feel very confident that i'm on the right path like it's such a great feeling like I've always felt so lost before when I was using like I you know making the wrong decisions and now like when things come up and obstacles come up I just know I'm gonna get through it because I have this guidance of many women around me and I also have like this this um I got a good head on my shoulders now because of the program mm -hmm. you know I know how to deal with life it's um it's a, like a totally new perspective on things. Like before, if something bad happened, I would just fall apart. And now I'm like, no, I I know what to do. I know how to handle this yeah. and I'm going to get through it. Yeah. Tools for living. Yeah. The tools. Yeah. So, yeah, actually, I, I, don't, I think I ran out of things. Oh, well, shit. I'm yeah. really glad we got to that last magical seg segment. <laughs> yeah. That was good. All right. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm glad that you took the time. 
out of your vacation down here to come and record this and share your experience because I know there's going to be somebody out there yeah. who gets a little bit of hope. That I sounds, hope so. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. Oh, this has been great. You're welcome. And uh, safe travels home.